Chapter 21 of the Story of Young Abraham Lincoln. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Paul Simonon, Vallejo, California. The Story of Young Abraham Lincoln by Wayne Whipple. Chapter 21, Lieutenant Tad Lincoln, Patriot. There was no more sturdy little patriot in the whole country than Lieutenant Tad Lincoln, the child of the nation. Nor had the President of the United States a more devoted admirer and follower than his own small son. A word from his father would melt the lad to tears and submission, or bring him out of a nervous tantrum with his small, round face wreathed with smiles, and a chuckling in his throat of, Papa Day, my Papa Day. No one knew exactly what the boy meant by Papa Day. It was his pet name for the dearest man on earth, and it was his only way of expressing the greatest pleasure his boyish heart was able to hold. It was the sweetest word ever heard by the war-burdened, crushed, and sorrowing soul of the broken-hearted President of the United States. Mr. Lincoln took his youngest son with him everywhere, on his great mission to Fortress Monroe, and they, the long and the short of it, the soldiers said, marched hand in hand through the streets of fallen Richmond. The understanding between the man and the boy was so complete and sacred that some acts which seemed to outsiders absurd and ill-fitting became perfectly right and proper when certain unknown facts were taken into account. Waving the stars and bars out of a White House window. For instance, one night, during an enthusiastic serenade at the White House, after a great victory of the Northern Armies, when the President had been out and made a happy speech in response to the congratulations he had received, everybody was horrified to see the Confederate stars and bars waving frantically from an upper window with shouts followed by shrieks as old Edward, the faithful colored servant, pulled in the flag and the boy who was guilty of the mischief. "'That was little Tad!' exclaimed someone in the crowd." Many laughed, but some spectators thought the boy ought to be punished for such a treasonable outbreak on the part of a president's boy in a soldier's uniform. "'If he don't know any better than that,' said one man, "'he should be taught better. It's an insult to the North, and the president ought to stop it and apologize, too.'" Boys in Blue and Boys in Gray but little Tad understood his father's spirit better than the crowd did. He knew that the president's love was not confined to the boys in blue, but that his heart went out also to the boys in gray. The soldiers were all boys to him. They knew he loved them. They said among themselves, He cares for us. He takes our part. We will fight for him. Yes, we will die for him and a large part of the common soldier's patriotism was this heart response of the boys to the great boy in the White House. That was the meaning of their song as they trooped to the front at his call, 
We are coming, Father Abraham, three hundred thousand more. Little Tad saw plenty of evidences of his father's love for the younger soldiers, the real boys of the army. Going always with the president, he had heard his Papa Day say of several youths condemned to be shot for sleeping at their post or some like offense, That boy is worth more above ground than under, or a live boy can serve his country better than a dead one. Give the boys a chance, was Abraham Lincoln's motto. He hadn't much of a chance himself, and he wanted all other boys to have a fair show. His own father had been too hard with him, and he was going to make it up to all the other boys he could reach. This passion for doing good to others began in the log cabin when he had no idea he could ever be exercising his loving kindness in the executive mansion, the home of the nation. With malice toward none, with charity for all, was the rule of his life in the backwoods as well as in the national capital. And the boys in gray were his boys too, but they didn't understand. So they had wandered away. They were a little wayward, but he would win them back. The great chivalrous South has learned since those bitter, ruinous days that Abraham Lincoln was the best friend the South then had in the North. Tad had seen his father show great tenderness to all the boys he met in the gray uniform, but the president had few opportunities to show his tenderness to the South, though there was a secret pigeonhole in his desk stuffed full of threats of assassination. He was not afraid of death. Indeed, he was glad to die if it would be to do his boys and the country any good. But it hurt him deep in his heart to know that some of his beloved children misunderstood him so that they were willing to kill him. It was no one's bullet which made Abraham Lincoln a martyr. All his life he had shown the spirit of love which was willing to give his very life if he could save or help others. All these things little Tad could not have explained, but they were inbred into the deep understanding of the big father and the small son who were living in the White House as boys together. Mr. Lincoln's Last Speech and How Tad Helped A few days after the war ended at Appomattox, a great crowd came to the White House to serenade the President. It was Tuesday evening, April 11, 1865. Mr. Lincoln had written a short address for the occasion. The times were so out of joint, and every word was so important, that the President could not trust himself to speak offhand. A friend stepped out on the northern portico with him to hold the candle by which Mr. Lincoln was to read his speech. Little Tad was with his father, as usual, and when the President had finished reading a page of his manuscript, he let it flutter down, like a leaf, or a big white butterfly, for Tad to catch. When the pages came too slowly, the boy pulled his father's coattail, piping up in a muffled, excited tone, "'Give me another paper, Papa Day.'" To the few in the front of the crowd who witnessed this little by-play, it seemed ridiculous that the President of the United States should allow any child to behave like that and hamper him while delivering a great address which would wield a national, if not worldwide, influence. But little Tad did not trouble his father in the least. 
It was a part of the little game they were constantly playing together. The address opened with these words. Fellow citizens, we meet this evening not in sorrow, but gladness of heart. The evacuation of Petersburg and Richmond and the surrender of the principal insurgent army at Appomattox give hope of a righteous and speedy peace whose joyous expression cannot be restrained. In the midst of this, however, he from whom all blessings flow must not be forgotten. A call for national thanksgiving is being prepared and will be duly promulgated. Give us Dixie, boys. Then he went on outlining a policy of peace and friendship toward the South, showing a spirit far higher and more advanced than that of the listening crowd. On concluding his address and bidding the assembled multitude good night, he turned to the serenading band and shouted joyously, Give us Dixie, boys. Play Dixie. We have a right to that tune now. There was a moment of silence. Some of the people gasped, as they had done when they saw Tad waving the Confederate flag at the window. But the band, loyal even to a mere whim, as they thought it, of Father Abraham, started the long-forbidden tune, and the president, bowing, retired with little Tad within the White House. Those words, Give us Dixie, boys, were President Lincoln's last public utterance. As Mr. Lincoln came in through the door after speaking to the crowd, Mrs. Lincoln, who had been with a group of friends, looking on from within, exclaimed to him, You must not be so careless. Someone could easily have shot you while you were speaking there, and you know they are threatening your life. The president smiled at his wife, through a look of inexpressible pain and sadness, and shrugged his great shoulders, but still he answered not a word. THE SEPARATION OF THE TWO BOYS At a late hour, Good Friday night, that same week, little Tad came in alone at a basement door of the White House from the National Theater, where he knew the manager, and some of the company had made a great pet of him. He had often gone there alone or with his tutor. How he had heard the terrible news from Ford's theater is not known, but he came up the lower staircase with heart-rending cries like a wounded animal. Seeing Thomas Pendell, the faithful doorkeeper, he wailed from his breaking heart, Tom Penn, Tom Penn, they have killed Papa Day, they have killed my Papa Day. After the funeral, the little fellow was more lonely than ever. It was hard to have his pony burned up in the stable. It was harder still to lose Brother Willie, his constant companion. And now his mother was desperately ill, and his father had been killed. Tad, of course, could not comprehend why anyone could be so cruel and wicked as to wish to murder his darling Papa Day, who loved everyone so. He wandered through the empty rooms, aching with loneliness, murmuring softly to himself, Papa Day, where's my Papa Day? I'm tired, tired of playing alone. I want to play together. Please, Papa Day, come back and play with your little Tad. Young though he was, he could not sleep long at night. His sense of loneliness penetrated his dreams. 
Sometimes he would chuckle and gurgle in an ecstasy, as he had done when riding on his father's back, romping through the stately rooms. He would throw his arms about the neck of the doorkeeper or lifeguard who had lain down beside him to console the boy and try to get him to sleep. When the man spoke to comfort him, Tad would find out his terrible mistake that his father was not with him. Then he would wail again in the bitterness of his disappointment. Papa Day! Where's my Papa Day? Your Papa's gone way off, said his companion, his voice breaking with emotion. Gone to heaven. Tad opened his eyes wide with wonder. Is Papa Day happy in heaven? he asked eagerly. Yes, yes, I'm sure he's happy there. Taddy, dear, now go to sleep. Papa Day's happy? I'm glad, so glad, sighed the little boy, for Papa Day never was happy here. Then he fell into his first sweet sleep since that terrible night. Give the boys a chance. The fond-hearted little fellow went abroad with his mother a few years after the tragedy that broke both their lives. By a surgical operation, and by struggling manfully, he had corrected the imperfection in his speech. But the heart of little Tad had been broken. While still a lad, he joined his fond father in the beyond. Give the boys a chance had amounted to a passion with Abraham Lincoln. Yet through great wickedness and sad misunderstandings, his own little son was robbed of this great boon. Little Tad had been denied the one chance he sorely needed for his very existence. For this, as for all the inequities, the great heart of the White House was prepared. His spirit had shown through his whole life, as if in letters of living fire, with malice toward none, with charity for all. The End End of Chapter 21 Recording by Paul Simonon, Vallejo, California. The end of the story of young Abraham Lincoln by Wayne Whipple.